good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cup, Hidney Cup, gave Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadigi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And this portion of the show is sponsored by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, we got a, a pretty decent-sized uh, show here. I, I just got off the phone with Bob Blake and recorded a quick uh, update that I'll be playing here. And uh, we also have a, a, a guest. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the guest uh, before you do the rockin' news? Sure, absolutely. So our guest tonight is uh, Brenna from the Indigenous Peoples Task Force. Uh, Brenna is the Youth Programs Manager at the Indigenous Peoples Task Force, and she has been a part of the Native Youth Health Education Program since 2010. She is an ally to Native people and uh, does some really wonderful work. She's going to be talking about uh, the application for the Healing Circle and Native American Employment Training Program Cohort Number 2, um, as well as touching base uh, with us because uh, we just recently had an intern through the Indigenous Peoples Task Force, and uh, she helped to set it up for us. So uh, we'll touch base on that and see great work they do awesome hey without any further ado i really appreciate that and and bob blake will be talking about uh the bill that's on the floor right now so it's exciting to have uh, uh things flying around and last minute here but uh, we're used to doing that and uh, uh it's going to be a rocking show so hey ogama uh let's get with the news that you don't hear anywhere else with ogama with the news. Oh, wow. Hey, hey, Buju relatives. This is Ogamakanuakwe. I am a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota, and I have some news and information for you here on Native Roots Radio. And one of the things that I do want to talk about is that currently the 100% bill is uh, the clean energy bill um, is currently uh, on the floor in Minnesota. And uh, there's a, an event that's happening right this moment, uh, started about 10.30 this morning and runs until about 9 p.m. It's Pack the Rotunda for the 100% Senate hearing. Um, but the idea of this uh, bill is uh, Governor Walls has a plan. It's a four-part plan for 100% clean energy in Minnesota by 2040. The standard would require all electric utilities in Minnesota to use carbon-free energy resources by 2040 and setting interim goals along the way. And it also strengthens Minnesota's uh, energy standard with new goals. Um, this is a really exciting bill uh, that has stalled out in the Senate before. Um, but people this year are optimistic uh, that it's going to pass. So um, senators and uh or, uh excuse me pass in the senate this year um so if you can show up at the rotunda at the capitol um and let senators know that they uh have a mandate to pass the 100 carbon free electricity by 2040 um get over there if you can uh if not uh make sure that you come next week uh for the rise and repair event um excuse me the week after next i'm sorry for the rise and repair rally for Indigenous Rights and Climate Justice, that's happening February 15th at 11 a.m. That is also at the Minnesota State Capitol and ties really, really kind of tucks in right nicely with this 100% clean energy bill. Hopefully by that time on the 15th, uh, that bill will have passed and uh, we'll be there to uh, rally and celebrate its passing as well as letting our elected officials know that uh, we're watching them and we're, we have the expectation that they will do right uh, by Minnesota. So. Uh, another event that I want to make you aware of is uh, February 6th at 12 noon at the Federal Courthouse in Minneapolis is the Rise Up for Peltier event. Uh, it's for justice and freedom for Leonard Peltier, the political prisoner who has been uh, in prison now for 48 years for aiding and abetting uh, the murder of a, a police officer, excuse me, a federal agent of uh, the FBI during the occupation at Wounded Knee. Uh, for reference, uh, those who were convicted of aiding and abetting in the uh, murder 
of George Floyd uh, got less than half of the time uh, that Leonard Peltier has spent in prison, just to kind of give you an idea of, wow, you know, kind of the differences that are happening there and uh, why Peltier's continued imprison imprisonment um, is, uh, is, a politi is political in nature. Uh, most of you probably know next week, uh, February 14th, is known as Red Dress Day. Uh, it is a day of honoring, remembrance, and activism for our missing and murdered Indigenous women and relatives. And there are events that are happening all over the state. And I'm sure there are also events that are happening nationwide that I have not uh, been able to track down as of yet. But the three big ones that I want to mention are in Minneapolis, Duluth, and Bemidji. The one in Minneapolis uh, happens Tuesday, February 14th from uh, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. starting at East Phillips Park. Again, they ask everybody if you wear red. Speakers begin at 11 a.m. and uh, the march begins at noon at East Phillips Park. They'll have speakers, a lunch, informational tables, and more. This event is sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, Coalition, the Minneapolis American Indian Center, the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis, the Native American Community Development Institute, NACTI, and the Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center, as well as the Little Earth Residents Association. Uh, just about everybody down on the avenue, right, Robert? Yeah, it sure sounds like it. In Duluth, uh, Tuesday, February 14th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. is the annual Memorial March for Missing and Murdered Indigenous women's and Women and Relatives. This is put on by the American Indian Community Housing Organization, Native Lives Matter Coalition, Men as Peacemakers, and many others. Their event starts uh, down at the Robert Paulus Cultural Center and at the American Indian Community Housing Organization. They do have a call out in Duluth for jingle dress dancers, hand drum singers, and uh, people to wear red for MMIWR. Red dresses, red skirts, red shirts, red shawls, all honoring survivors, solidarity shawls uh, to come uh, for that event. Um, Check-in is at 11 a.m. and at 1 p.m. the event starts with a prayer. Uh, the march will start at 2.45. All are welcome at these events. So um, even if you're new to this movement or you don't know uh, too much about MMIW, um, but it's something that you feel uh, connected to, um, show up. It's really important that our relatives are there um, in whatever capacity they're able to be there. In Bemidji, February 14th is uh, Justice for MMIW 218 uh, at the Paul and Babe. That one also runs 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, they are honoring and remembering our relatives, and they will start a walk from the Paul and Babe and end at the Bow Arts Ballroom at BSU. All are welcome, and they are asking for singers and dancers to attend. And if you have any questions, uh, check out the MMIW218 Facebook page. So those are some of the big events that are happening around uh, MMIW Day. Robert, this just came in um, recently, um, and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, there's a media alert on the Aiken County Water Protectors hearing and Sheriff Dan Guida. Um, there is a decision on this that's most likely to come in mid-May, um, and hopefully there's going to be some uh, briefs and things that are happening in regards to this. But um, February 1st, 2023, water protectors facing charges from defending land, air, and water from Line 3 had their contested omnibus hearing at the Aiken County Courthouse, and their attorney examined Aiken County Sheriff Dan Guida on the stand about $355,000 his department received from Enbridge's escrow account and about recent allegations that he had roughed up a subpoena server. The attorney also questioned Richard Hart, who's the manager of Enbridge's escrow fund, which was used to pay county and state police officers and uh, uh, situations for arresting water protectors. They've raised the questions of legality about this. There was $8.5 million paid to Minnesota law enforcement agencies. So hopefully with this, uh, there's going to be things that we're going to see coming up in the next uh, six to eight weeks. Yeah, hopefully. Hey, uh, we got a, a special report from Bob Blake uh, on in his car, and then we're going to get to Brianna. And uh, you are listening to Native Roots Radio, and we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Ho-wah.
Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts, plus you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. This is Winona LaDuke of Honor the Earth, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, uh, Ogama, before we get our uh, next guest on, I want to uh, play this quick uh, clip here and uh, get a total update about what's happening at the Capitol uh, and uh, the, the big bill that's on going to be on the floor that the House passed. So let's try this technology here. I'm going to be playing it from my phone onto uh, the roadcaster. Hey, we got a special report here from Robert Blake from uh, Red Lake. I always have to say that, a lot of fun. Um, Robert uh, is uh, uh, with Solar Bear with the Solar News normally, but he's on an important assignment right now. But we, we wanted to talk a little bit real quick before he has to jump into a uh, a meeting about what's going on at the Capitol right now. Thanks a lot, Robert, uh, for stopping in. Yeah, thank you for having me, Robert. Um, what we got going on is um, the Senate is currently voting on the 100% campaign. And um, so this is really important because it passed the House um, and now it goes to the Senate. And if we can have it passed in the Senate, Robert, then it will go to Governor Waltz's desk and then he can then sign it into law. So this would be really huge for the state of Minnesota, for renewable energy, for jobs, for workforce development, uh, for, you know, the state attracting talent into our communities. And so this is just really good all the way around uh, for the state of Minnesota. So what is all in that bill? Can you tell our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're trying to do is uh, the bill basically gives a timeline. So by 2040, uh, what we would like to do is we would like to have, you know, energy resources, uh, you know, be 100 percent carbon free. So meaning renewable, you know, basically renewable energy uh, supporting, um, you know, our, our energy infrastructure. And and um, this will then in turn be able to create clean, uh, cheap energy for for our communities um and we'll also give incentives to homeowners to businesses that want to go renewable um and also uh you know attract you know um different types of you know uh i guess i guess uh like heat source air pumps um uh you know that that we then could uh use for you know um our heating sources so you know, it's real. This is really good legislation. Some really, really smart people. Big shout out to Chris Conroy, 
who has been leading this fight for the last five years um, and has just done a tremendous job. Um, and we're so excited that, you know, um, that this is all coming to fruition. And so let's, we, we just have to see that uh, that this gets passed in the Senate now. Right on. So we got the trifecta here. So they're, they're, they've been passing and pushing bills through really quick that we need finally, because in the last uh, cycle, the Republicans were ahead of uh, ahead of the uh, Senate. So this is time to, to really do what you said you're going to do. And uh, it, it's an exciting time, too, Robert. Absolutely, uh, Robert. And, and, and the thing about it is, too, you know, that, you know, uh, I mean, we only we have a very slim lead in the Senate. Right. So, I, you know, so, you know, a lot of things can happen here. Right. But but what we're hoping for is that, you know, even if it does stay by party lines, hopefully we can get a couple of, of you know, uh, people from the other side to, to, to come and vote for this. Because when you look at the state of Minnesota, 70 percent of Republicans, 70 percent of Democrats want um, clean energy. You know, so this is a bipartisan issue in the state of Minnesota. So, you know, it's 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 just, you know, uh, that 40 percent that are like gung ho about it and that other 30 percent that are on the fence about it. So, you know, it, when you look at those statistics, you know, we can get this done in the state of Minnesota and, and, and it doesn't have to be a bipartisan issue. This can be a one Minnesota issue. And that's what's really exciting about this. Because it's going to create jobs, it's going to create opportunities, it's going to continue to keep Minnesota a leader um, in education and attracting talent to our communities. So there's so many good things in here that that are we really hope that the Senate passes it this evening. If not, you know, please everyone contact your senator, tell them that you want them to vote for 100 percent clean energy, um, and 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 let's get this to Tim Waltz's desk so he can sign it into law. Perfect. And I was just going to ask you what the call to action is, but you just gave it. Hey, Robert, I know you're really busy, but it was really important for for us to talk. Have a great night. Thanks again for uh, helping out here on Native Roots Radio and helping all over Turtle Island with uh, these important, important issues. Yeah, thank you very much, Robert, for doing this. And I appreciate everyone. And please contact your center for 100% clean energy. Miigwech. ho Oh, uh, that was Robert Blake from Red Lake. I always love to say that. Hey, uh, we're with Brenna. Is that how you say your name? Wow, yep, good. I'm always destroying people's names, so thank you for your uh, <laughs> your patience. And you're with the Indigenous People's Task Force and the Healing Circle, circle keeping the fire alive. And you are going to be talking about the cohort number two. And I know Ogama and I have been working with you and your group, and we and we had a intern. So it's really exciting to hear about this program and and what's next. So welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Uh, it's kind of exciting to be here. This is something new for me, and um, yeah, it was really great that you both reached out about hosting an intern, and um, so that's a new program at Indigenous Peoples Task Force. So we had a really small pilot cohort April to June 2022, and then did kind of the, a bigger rollout, and you were able to host an intern in November and December and then some of January here. And so, um, yeah, it did, it took a lot of uh, community partners that were willing to show their support of the, that group of young native adults. We're working with 18 to 24 year olds. And um, just really as an organization, we thought about um, what are some of the gaps in um, programming that's offered in Minneapolis. Um, IPTF has, my role at IPTF, I've done a lot of native youth programming, whether it's in theater, um, health education, things like sexual health, suicide prevention. Um, but then we really saw what happens when native youth are kind of aging out of uh, those after school programs and wanted to provide something that would help them make that kind of transition from high school to building some career skills and having some introduction to some of the jobs and careers that are right there in their community, but they probably don't see. Um, there's jobs like Target or Chipotle that um, they see all the time. And so that might be what they're imagining for their future. And we 
just wanted to open up that um, there's so many other types of jobs that um, native nonprofit organizations, community organizations, um, and just show them that their life experiences, knowledge, uh, a lot of their cultural knowledge makes them a really good fit for some of the um, entry-level jobs in Native organizations right in their community. So. Well, yeah, definitely. I think you said that all. And I know uh, Ogama worked heavily with our intern, uh, and it was a, a blessing to have her. And, you know, it's like the yellow Volkswagen syndrome. Now I see her all over the place. I saw her at a round dance, her family, and, and, I, and I saw her little brother Opie at the fair before that. But, uh, you know, I guess, Ogama, how, how did you feel about the program? Because I feel like we, we hit the jackpot with who we got. Absolutely. Um, our, our, our intern, uh, Ayana, we miss her uh, dearly. And we're, we're working on some ways to maybe try to have her back and try to have her join us again. But it was really um, eye-opening and exciting to be able to offer that opportunity to somebody, um, a youth in the community. And also, um, I, I think we felt like, you know, we were oper- offering this opportunity with the internship, but what she gave back to us and the skills that she brought were so amazing. And mm-hmm. it was really, really great to have her. And I would encourage other Native organizations, you know, if this internship program comes around again, uh, they did, Brenna did a really great job and uh, Indigenous People's Task Force really put on a really professional and uh, wonderful program with this. Oh, man, that's really great to hear. I appreciate that. And um it was so easy to just really care about that group of 11 interns and just want the absolute best for them. So I'm so happy to hear that um, Ayana's impact in your work and just having that young energy made a positive difference. Um, We are, uh, so this program was funded by Minnesota Department of Human Services. And so um, we had 11 interns complete the program And then our goal is to have 24 interns complete the program. So it's eight-week internships that start with a 40-hour professional development training where they kind of really get to know each other, realize that this is a group of people that can support them, like fellow Native peers that um, they can share some experiences with. And um, so, yeah, we've done 11. We have uh, 13 more to go. So... I'll be kicking off this next cohort uh, probably late March or early April. And so um, I, uh, our social media will be kind of the first place where the application is available and um, you can learn more, whether you're a native young person, 18 to 24 in the Twin Cities or an organization that would like to host an intern. Hey, can you stay with us? Uh, we got another segment. Uh, well, we got a couple more segments, but do you mind staying on with us for another segment? Because I want to grill you about some stuff. Ho Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't panic. He's great. Right don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she said, oh, boy. Hey, uh, it's that Indian sense of humor you got to get used to. Hey. Um, so with uh, Brianna, uh, and we are with the Indigenous Peoples Task Force, and we're going to be right back. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how she found the people and how that all went down. So we'll be right back. This is Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. When we heal from our traumas. When we face our fears. Let go of our addictions. When we relearn our values. When we live our teachings. Respecting our elders. Cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. 
This is Santita Jackson, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I couldn't be more excited about starting our days together, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, on the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Progressive change doesn't just happen. It takes dedication and a lot of hard work. 25 years ago, the data bank pioneered a new generation of software tools for progressive organizations here in Minnesota. Since then, thousands of organizations have used the data bank to create progressive change. Today, the data bank continues to help progressive organizations like AM950. To have the data bank help your organization build capacity and create more change, text CHANGE to 612-540-0500 or go to thedatabank.com. The data bank, a quarter century of dedication and hard work for progressive organizations. The Senior Linkage Line is a free statewide service of the Minnesota Board on Aging, helping older Minnesotans and caregivers find answers and connect to services and supports. Questions about Medicare, transportation, looking to move to senior housing, overwhelmed with prescription drug plans? Call the Senior Linkage Line at 800-333-2433 or visit trellisconnects.org where we help people optimize well-being as they age. That's trellisconnects.org. On this Queer Book Save My Life, we talk with LGBTQ guests about the queer books that save their lives. On our next episode, we chat with Nancy Gabian about the book In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. It is a memoir about an abusive relationship Carmen had with an ex-girlfriend. Nancy shares how In the Dream House saved her, and then we meet Carmen to discuss the writing of her memoir and how it was like passing a kidney stone, something she needed to do to move on. Listen to This Queer Book Save My Life every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Hi, I'm Peter Solak. And I'm Adam Ostrowski. We are here at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces to talk about the joy of live fire cooking. Cooking over a live fire is the oldest and most basic form of cooking. What's new is in the way a fire is handled and its heat is managed. It's easier to experience and enjoy the smell and taste of food cooked over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces sells and installs live fire grills, fire pits, and ovens. Let us help you experience the smell, the taste, the fun of cooking with fire. Pizza was first made and is still best made in an open fire oven. The radiant and conductive heat of a live fire is unmatched for wood roasting and baking artisan breads, too. Come see the many ways you can cook over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood and gas units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. With a look at your AM950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. There is a wind chill advisory in effect tonight. Lows of 13 below zero with wind chills down to 25 below zero. Then Friday, cloudy with a high of six above, but wind chills of 23 below. Grab a tray at Cafe Latte and pick from their award-winning selections of soups, salads, sandwiches, and desserts. Cafe Latte is at Victoria Street and Grand Avenue in St. Paul or at CafeLatte.com. Bijou. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio. This is Ogama Ginuakwe. This portion of the show is brought to you by Minsure. If you are looking for health insurance and not sure where to start, head on over to mnsure.org. They have free experts that can help you. And we are here with Brenna from the Indigenous Peoples Task Force. Uh, Brenna is the uh, head of the youth programming there, the youth programming manager at Indigenous Peoples Task Force. And I just want to give a little bit of a shout out here, too. She's also a master's of public health um, and has been working for uh, quite some time in uh, Native youth programming here in the Twin Cities. So welcome back. Wow, yeah, yeah, thank you. Wow, yeah. So when did you get your master's? How old were you? Um, oh, you want to know my age? No. Um, no. Well, I, uh, my first job I, after college, I was in AmeriCorps VISTA working at a Native youth organiz- um, soccer program in Albuquerque. And wow. then um, I kind of missed home. And uh, so then I applied to grad school at the U of M. And so that's kind of what uh, brought me to the Twin Cities and um, introduced me to the Native community here. And then, um, yeah, so that was my, my first job in Minneapolis. And um, I guess I just, I, I really have, I really enjoy working with teens and doing that type of like direct health education and um, 
you know, there's a lot of laughter and stories and uh, a really wide variety in the work that I do. So, yeah. So <laughs> that, up, was, I guess. that was that was good how you uh got around that question but hey uh <laughs> so, that was really masterful uh so what uh how did this come about i mean was was it something that uh you'd seen happen did you were did you start this program and uh or did the department of human services kind of throw this idea out how did this start yeah um well, uh, working at IPTF, we met as a staff, um, probably similar to many organizations, uh, just had like experienced loss due to opioid use and overdoses. And we really thought about um, what what's missing, you know, uh, a lot of like talented, wonderful people are um, struggling with addiction or um, why is, uh, you know, using substances is um, obviously COVID and a lot of different things impact people's mental health. And so what's like another strategy or um, what could our work do to help support that age group that um, might be feeling a little uncertain about their future off the path? Like, um, how can we address substance use prevention in a in a really like useful way in a and so I think by um, connecting with internships giving young people a way to earn money and um, really like feel themselves grow uh, that's one key part of the program and so yeah we talked to the staff and then um, I think maybe Sharon my boss knew that this funding opportunity was coming and so together we kind of um, shaped what the program might look like and so then we include obviously the internship career development and then during the professional development training include like talking circles cultural guest speakers really try to help the participants um, reflect on their own uh, relationship I guess with um, how substances have affected their life and um, kind of what stage they are at for um, thinking of other ways to cope with like the stress of life or manage sadness and a lot of times you know you only know what you know and so especially growing up if you only see difficult emotions managed in certain ways um, you kind of need help learning about different different alternatives that can uh, help you get through things. That, that, that's a, a mouthful. I, I'm a former high school teacher and I retired okay. two years ago. And, uh, I, what I like about, uh, your program, it goes up to age 24. And I think some of us are, uh, late bloomers like myself. And I think it gives an opportunity for people to, um, try a few things and then take a step back and, and look at their future. Because I read somewhere and, um, that this generation, will have eight careers by the time they retire. So it's good to, to know wow. all these all these things because there's it's so loose, uh, so fluid, things are changing, um, technologies, but uh, things like that, right, Ogama? Yeah, and I think the other thing that's important to mention, you know, when we talk about like a youth population, you know, I think a lot of people tend to think that high school age and, you know, maybe just a year or two older, like that 18, 19 year old, but, you know, the brain, the human brain doesn't really finish developing until age 25 or sometimes later. And when you've had experiences in your life or you have had, um, you know, the effects of say substance use or poverty or other stressors in your life, you know, your your functioning in the world when you're 24 um, is still very much a youth and it should be, you know, for most humans. Mm -hmm. It's really, really great that this program acknowledges that. Right, right. Yeah. I um, spoke to the, the MUD group in Minneapolis, um, just sort of talking about our program and highlighting the point that um, there just isn't much programming for that age group, the 18 to 24 and I think there's a lot of different reasons for that, whether it's like grant funders putting these arbitrary kind of like ages on what services you can offer. But um, 
there was just a lot of support from that group about um, recognizing the need and wanting to um, improve the resources for, like you said, still, still use and um, people discovering what interests them. You know, we're on uh, Civic Media all over Wisconsin and also, of course, AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. So we have a lot of people listening to us uh, from different uh, communities. What, uh, what, is there anything else like this going on? And, and if not, could they get a hold of you to maybe uh, mirror what you're doing or get some help on, on, uh, on a program like this? Because I'm telling you, um, I liked everything about this uh, when I heard about it in, uh, in the age group that we, we had just talked about. But also, um, you know, I would have loved to uh, buddied up with somebody that was with uh, the TV or the news or, or the radio when I was in high school. And uh, uh, so that, that excited me to be able to give it away to keep it. And I think that's kind of what we do here at Native Roots, uh, Ogama and I. Yeah, Um I uh, I don't know of another program like this off the top of my head. Um, I that is something I'm trying to reach out. I did just connect with an internship program on um, North. They're called Northside Safety Net in Minneapolis, and so they were more focused on environmental education and um, or environmental careers. And it was also still the younger under 18 high school age so i guess i would also love to um get connections from listeners or i know that i'm not um the expert on the the career development field so i um am still really looking to improve and uh yeah so other than uh, having uh, your first round one one person went to us a native uh a native uh, radio show that does a lot of different things and um, does them pretty well. <laughs> and uh, excuse me. And uh, so, what were the other uh, jobs? I'm curious to hear that. Yeah, um, we had two interns at Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center, and um, so they worked in community engagement. Um, we had one intern who had um, a virtual placement with. Great Plains Action Society, and I know that uh, they really enjoyed their work, and their uh, it was a good match. And we had an intern with Minnesota Teen Challenge, Know the Truth, and so um, speaking to high school students. And we had an intern at um, uh, Minneapolis Health Department in Green Careers, and. Um, we had an intern at the Native American Community Clinic in um, one of their community prevention programs. And then we had two interns at Andai Young. So uh, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone <laughs> off the top of my head. But yeah. Well, it, it's so fun, too, because we know all those uh, organizations dear and well. And uh, Dr. Stately's on our show on Mondays, too. So it's all okay. it's all a cool circle here. And uh Sherry, we know really well, too, from Enda Young. I've known her since yeah. she was 13. I guess I was like 14, but that was, uh, you know, a million years ago. But it's great that uh, – so do you have any idea uh, who you're reaching out next uh, to uh, look for interns? Or here's another question, too. Can people that had interns reapply for more interns? That's, I guess, a question I want to know. Yeah, I would uh, love to – maintain those partners and um just as we develop policies and keep certain like systems and protocols going it's great to have some um people that have been there before um so yes i hope to keep if host organizations are willing to host another intern the second time around i would love that and um yeah i'm open to a lot of different organizations i did forget we had an intern at um AIOC at the oh. Dakota Institute. So wow. that was another really good spot. Um, and yeah, during the training, I just kept telling the interns, sometimes I'd see their eyes be like, oh, I'm so scared. And I just uh, told them that these are people that 
choose to host an intern already care about, um, you know, young Native adults and helping them and being supportive. And just uh, sometimes we don't see the positive as much, unfortunately. So um, it really was good. I hope we got a good report because uh, we, uh, Ogama does stuff in the background that uh, our intern was doing. And then also she came on the air a few times too. And uh, at first she was a little nervous, but I think she really grabbed hold of it. I think she was on like four times, wasn't she, Ogama? Somewhere around four or five times. But yeah, she was always and, with us. it might have even been a half a dozen times, maybe six times, because she was able to cover for me when I needed That's to right. uh, take a little bit of time. And she was able to come on and talk about some of her experiences and the, share about the things that she knows. And it was just and, and her family and her, her little brother is really <laughs> wildly popular in the community. Uh, her little brother's uh, baby Opie, and he's a we wonderful singer. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know that until she came on the air with us. So it was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, well, she is a, a really bright young lady, and uh, the more I talk to her, I always learn something new and kind of surprising. So Yeah, well, that that's the great thing about working with youth. They always do surprise you in many, many ways. Uh, yeah. Brenna, thank you so much for being on, and thank you for uh, supporting our youth and supporting us, too. And we all win when the community wins, right? Mm, I like that. Very true. Thank you. I gotta write that down. Gotta write that down and put it on t-shirts. I just made it up. Oh wow. Hey, thanks for being on. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and we'll be back after this short break. Please stay with us. Hey Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey everyone, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. Ooh, that was a good one. Hey. So uh, uh, that was a very interesting um, uh, interview. And um, I really like uh, her energy and her support. And uh, it's good to have young people come back and give back to the community. And uh, um, she didn't tell us how old she was, but I think she's in her 20s. 
because I wouldn't <laughs> want to tell people how old I was because I was so much more mature than my age back when I was in my 20s. You know, I don't really worry too much about people's ages, but I am really grateful that we got connected with her for our intern and for the work that she does. And, um, you know, it's really good when we can have those ally people join us. Yeah, definitely. Hey, uh, you have a a quick report. Uh, Do you mind uh, sharing uh, what you're going to play for us? Sure, absolutely. Uh, So earlier today, I talked about the uh, alert and update on the Aiken County Water Protectors hearing and Sheriff Dan Guida of Aiken County. Um, So this is like an ongoing background uh, about yesterday's uh, water protectors hearing in Aiken County and the allegations that were made against Sheriff Dan Guida of Aiken County for dodging a subpoena and roughing up the subpoena server. Uh, This is courtesy of Honor the Earth. So without further ado, I will share that with you. Oh, okay. Apparently it says it's not uh, connecting with my system. Let me see if I can try this one more time. Um, Let me do it this way. Robert, hang in there with me for a minute. Right, I will. I I should tell a few jokes, but I I don't know a joke. I'm just no jokes. I'm just kind of naturally funny, so it's it's hard for me uh, to tell tell uh, jokes. And, All right, uh, let me see if it works oh, this way, Robert. Okay. Oh, we can't hear it that way. Well, oh, I heard I'm it. Not I heard it. it. You I heard it? it? Okay. Yep. All right, we're we're gonna go Try with it again. that way. Hang in there, everybody. And it was very long. And the crux of the argument that's in the motion that underpins the hearing today is that there's collusion between law enforcement and Cambridge through the privatization of police forces through this extra accounts that has created bias against water protectors and those affiliated with them. Sheriff Gaida, who we called to the stand today, um, who we were surprised to see, uh, or unsure if he would appear because uh, communication with him about the subpoena has made it really unclear as to whether he would accept it and um, attempts to serve him in the past have resulted in attempts to charge myself criminally. He has gone to great lengths to avoid being served with the subpoena and even so far as to the point as we heard testimony today physically assaulted the last person we sent to serve him with the subpoena. So we're um, grateful that he was here and for the opportunity to ask him questions. Wow. Hey. <laughs> yeah. The, I, that one we should have uh, talked about at, re- at rehearsal. <laughs> I, I guess so. Yeah. I'm, it's, there's just some sort of a, a little bit of a glitch in my in my stream. Um, and it says to try restarting my browser. And uh, I've never run into that problem before. So thank you, everybody, for hanging on with that. But I mean, uh, just to talk a little bit about that video, Robert, I mean, those are really serious allegations against a, a county sheriff. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, we've had our own issues with our sheriffs, whether it was Stenick and then the, the latter one. Um, so and, and we just have issues with uh, the police uh, all over. So it, it's cameras are everywhere now and you even have your own cameras on. So we need to like... Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, stunning, but not stunning. Right, exactly, and you know that collusion uh, that Attorney Kelly was talking about, and um, filing the motion to dismiss those charges against those three water protectors because of the unconstitutionality of that escrow account. If for those of you that haven't been following, Enbridge Energy had an escrow account in the state of Minnesota, uh, which paid out eight point five million dollars to Minnesota law enforcement agencies, and that was an agreement between the Minnesota PUC, the Public Utilities Commission, and Enbridge um, to ensure that the essentially that the uh, Enbridge uh, Energy could use law enforcement in Minnesota as its own private security. And that is essentially what happened in many cases um, in Minnesota, that uh, the duty of the police to serve and protect uh, became the duty of the police to serve and protect corporate interests. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a difficult deal. Um 
you know, uh, it, it is really, and now we, we talked about this before, Ogama, but now the cameras are out there and they're, and what uh, our relatives and our BIPOC relatives have been saying for years is finding out that is true, that there's a bias. And we know that too, because we talk about Leonard Peltier and that FBI agent who, um, and I'm swinging back to that, sorry about that, but it just kind of uh, reminded me of, you know, the FBI agent talking about how how they're in doctrine about about uh, lies in the FBI when they become new FBI agents. That's just uh, mind-blowing. So uh, he's not in prison for murder. He's in prison for, as you said in the beginning of the show, he's in uh, for aiding and abetting, and he's in for 48 years as of the 6th of February. And, um, you know, these guys that killed George Floyd for aiding and abetting are getting a year and a half. That's like uh, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's truly a, a testament to the current state of the justice system uh, as it stands in the United States. You know, um, we have police officers that are continuing to murder uh, people of color, our, our black relatives and our native relatives. Native people are incarcerated at a higher rate than any other uh, ethnicity or race here in the United States. Uh, there was just something that came out about that earlier this year. I could talk a little bit more about it maybe on air tomorrow, but, um, you know, a study came out about that. And then we have this sense of indoctrination, like you were saying, Robert, within not just local police forces like Aiken County in Minnesota, but at a national level at the FBI, you know, people being indoctrinated about what kind of people or what kind of person, you know, stands up for the things that they believe in. And um, those things are, I mean, it's dangerous to have the, those types of ideals in those systems and having that built in makes it dangerous for people who would, um, you know, prefer the system to work for all people. Yeah. And, you know, I just got to say this uh, as we're ending the show, Ogama. And again, thanks for uh, the great work as always. And I want to thank our two guests and Bob Blake for coming in the last minute and uh, Brenna for stopping in and uh, speaking about this great program. Uh, I just have to say this is that we're uh, watching you and we all are watching um, how our police police us and, um, you know, they have to serve and protect. But again, You'll have some more on that. Hey, I just want to end the show again with, uh, if you're listening to this show, you are part of the resistance from P Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. We need to resist and divest and join a group and run for office. We're still here. We are the seventh generation free Leonard Peltier now. What